and welcome back to the next episode of the MDCP, the Million Dollar Coach podcast. Got the full team on deck today. Um, how are we, guys? Awesome. Awesome. Christina was like doing a little groove as we came in on in the intro. I might need to overlay that with some tunes. That'll probably be like Sam's doing his dancing men gif again. Maybe yeah. that needs to resurface. That was popular. Yeah. Um, the, the, like the Doge dog? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I can see these eclipses I'll be making later and they'll come back to haunt you. Um, <laughs> as always, um, if only I use my power for good. But I will, we will today. Here's, here's our power for good as a collective today. Um, our topic today is something that I think a lot of people will feel like uh, triggered by, um, that we're talking about them and that I'm just talking about the four people in the room. Um, but a lot of our listeners and viewers may, uh, relate to this and may choose to do the Homer Simpson into the hedge and slowly back away from the screen like it's mm -hmm. not me. But overcoming fear and anxiety as a new entrepreneur or as I'm going to throw it out there and say as any entrepreneur um, still feels that fear and anxiety as they embark on something new. So, yeah, let's away. Let's. I know it's a common affliction and it, can cause a lot of paralysis and inaction and self-sabotage. Um, and, and, and. Yeah, I'll just, I'm just going to own it. So yeah. um, I thought that given that we're here about helping coaches understand that they are, in fact, entrepreneurs and yeah. are in control of their own destiny, this is an important uh, topic to cover. So let's dig in. Who wants well, the ball I first? Jump in, everybody jump. Yeah, Sam. I'll I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> I was just no. gonna say, first of all, it never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, just to like, and I'm not trying to say that to be like, you know, okay, episode over, that's it. But that's it. That's it, our short episode today. The, the biggest problem, at least that I have, is that you come under this false pretense that the more you work at it, like this is this feeling, this fear is going to go away. And it doesn't, it just changes, it shifts, mm. it takes new forms. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's also part of the immense, you know, just greatness of, of doing it. Right. It's just, it's mm. part of, part of growing. Um, so, you know, just to nip that in the bud right away, there's never a point like all spoiler alert. Us, yeah. Spoiler alert. All four of us, <laughs> still struggle with this and will yeah. continue to. So, you know, just to be, just to put that out there, but. Well, and I, and I think what, and I want to make clear, I, I'm going to say what I think you're saying and please tell me if I'm wrong here. Right. I think what Christina is saying is that it is common to continually experience fear and anxiety, but not necessarily over the same thing over and over again. Right. As you progress through your journey, you will encounter something new and unknown and because it's new and unknown and at your heart you're really just like a lizard brain monkey who doesn't like looking into the dark like you're gonna respond with fear and anxiety and i think that's that's really at the heart of this whole thing like regardless of how successful or not being a coach like running classes in an affiliate is if nothing else we understand it and so it's stable because we understand it. Even if it's not actually stable, we tell ourselves it's stable. And so at least it's not scary. And that's like, that's where all of this begins is 
we know that we, we have this thing that we understand and we know, and so it's comfortable, but we also know it's not cutting it. And we want to do something more. We know we need to do something more. And so now you've got to go do a new thing right away. You're looking into the dark. And so that's mm. super, super common to feel, to feel uh, fear and anxiety. And, you know, our, our goal today is to talk about like, where do those things come from and then how to combat them, et cetera. Well, and think about when you got your level one and went to coach your first ever class, did you have fear and anxiety then, right? Like you might've just been nervous if you only had to run the warm up. maybe you were just shadowing and you were in charge of running the warm up one day. Yeah. And the fear and anxiety that surrounded those 15 to 20 minutes could have eaten you up for a week, right? Like, mm. so you had it before, but if you've been coaching for years, you probably don't get fear and anxiety about your warm up so much anymore. Right. But like, again, it just evolves. It's just like everything else. Yeah. And, and the I goal is not to get stuck in that same place so that you don't move forward, right? Like, and that's where, you know, None of us have ever been stuck anywhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that is exactly like, can't relate. Got to go. Bye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that that is exactly the issue. Like, and especially if you've been coaching, like the longer you've been coaching and doing your thing, the harder this is going to be because it's that much longer that you're running on habit and you're running on like known data. And, you know, God bless Christina for being like, ah, run through walls and just like doing things again and again and again, like so quickly one after the other early in her career. It takes, you know, a person of unique drive and willingness to receive feedback. And I would wager that you got real comfortable real quick with receiving feedback, like constructive criticism, right? Yeah. Right. How few people do we know who are comfortable with constructive criticism, you know? And so that is another thing. Like you absolutely can get more comfortable with these things. Um, just like you can get comfortable with anything, but you got to be willing to take steps into the dark. Right. And you got to bring your torch along with you. And it's, I think it's that, um, you know, having that, that belief that the, and you know, I was just having a call recently where talking about, you know, when the pain of discomfort of your current situation becomes greater than the fear of the change, you actually then will take that change. And we talk a lot in Fit Filiate about, you know, awareness precedes action. You need to be aware that there's a problem. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people who live in comfortably cruising down that river in Egypt, denial, where they're like, there's, there's no problem. Everything's all good. That's fine. Until they stick a toe in the water and go, oh, there's actually alligators in here. Yeah. Um, crocodiles, whatever it happens to be. And then they're like, oh, no, don't want to know anything about that. And then they they stop. Like you said, Ash, they, they stop and they go, this is, this is about where I'm good. But it's feeling that discomfort is like, no, I really need to get off this boat. I need to get onto a bigger, more secure vessel. Yeah. That, then they go, it's not worth the pain of staying here. I really need to change. Yeah. But again, it's having that awareness to go, oh, there's a problem and and to take that action. Like, you know, Sam, you referenced Christina running through walls, just doing one thing after the other. But I think that's an excellent example of what, you know, we also say a lot in Fit Affiliate is move faster than fear. It's yeah. like if I keep moving, 
I don't have time to stop and, you know, contemplate my navel and think how scary all this stuff is. Yeah. If I just take action, that's going to move me forward faster than pondering it. And then yeah. the situations I'm sure where Christine has sat and pondered an action to take, that's where the risk of the paralysis does come in for all of us. Yeah. Rather than just do the thing, rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I love, I love the way you're describing this. Like you can move faster than the fear, right? You can outrun thinking about something, right? Mm. But every once in a while you're forced. That's like one way to do that. And for some people, that is the right way to do that. Um, but we also want to provide, you know, some bits that are not for those people. Like some people are planners. They like to like really, really forecast things in advance. It's helpful. It's one thing to say, you know, uh, awareness precedes action. It's one thing to say, I'm aware that I experience fear. It's another thing to understand or be aware of what your fear is or where your fear comes from. Like there's lots of different examples of fear and especially in the entrepreneurial journey, you know? Mm. Um, and I think the biggest one right off the whack is fear of failure. Yeah. It, which if that one is not a part of your journey, I think Tony would say you're not dreaming big enough, you know? Mm. And that, it's go ahead. No, no, I was agreeing with you. I yeah. think that's true. You're not, you, you know, if, if you're not afraid of failure, then if, if, if your goals don't scare you, they're not, they're not big enough. Yeah. And that's, mm. and that's not to say that you shouldn't make like smart, small attainable goals, but they should be in service of a larger, bigger, you know, the big, hairy, audacious goal we've talked about mm. before, you know? Mm. Um, and also we talked about this a little bit, fear of the unknown. So turning around, looking into the dark and being like, yeah, sure. I'm just going to go walk into there where my mind is creating monsters, you know? Um, and we all know that we want to do something, but we might not know what that's going to look like. We might not know what to do exactly. We might not know. We might know that we, what we want to do, but not how to go about it. Or, you know, we might know what we want to do and how to go about it, but not how to balance it with the rest of our lives. And I've experienced that where I get, God bless my wife. <laughs> like I go hard one direction and she's like, okay, this is great, but not working. And so I've got to course correct and come back and like achieve some more balance. And like, I'm, you know, former alcoholic, we're not known for moderation. So <laughs> trying to find, you know, balance is. I think will be a lifelong pursuit for me. You know, I don't know if anybody else can identify with that. Well, it is. Yeah. It's finding finding the boundaries and the the hard edges and what you know. You even even with yourself, you discover what's negotiable, what's not negotiable. You know, what's what's working, and that's part of evaluating. You know, even for for the people who are planners and and like to lay out a path, like there is still that. Um, need to at some point take the first step and do the first thing. I am the master of planning and laying out, and um, you know, having everything done in advance, and it's all the it, everything's done. It's like, well, great. What do you actually do with that thing that you built? Well, just sitting in a Google Drive somewhere. It looks amazing though. Um, but having all of that laid out is still, you still got to get past that point of, okay. I need to act, but then also having those regular little milestones along the way is like, this is, is this getting me closer to where I am or am I not the version of the person that I want to be yeah. while pursuing this, for example? Um, 
and that's where having like Sam, you're really lucky. Like you might not feel it at the time, but you are really lucky that Katie's great at giving you a, a realignment, shall we say? <laughs> Just a gentle nudge back in. We'll we'll call her your bumpers in the bowling lane, which is the analogy we like a lot here. But yeah. then also, you know, that's again where we talk about having the power of a coach who will go, hey, like, you know, you've built the thing. Like, why aren't you doing the thing? But also you said you wanted this thing, but you're way over here, dude. Yeah. Like yeah. your actions and intention are aligning. And having that, those ways to filter that will are going to help you decide like what's the best action to be taking, not just I'm going to do all the things. Yeah. It's that scattergun approach we want to, you know, avoid as well. It's like I'll just do everything and, again, nothing gets done. Yeah. yeah and and there's, there's a lot to be said in there's several parts of that in terms of combating fear, right? Like, of course you want to be prepared, but you don't want the preparation to prevent you from taking the action. You want the preparation yeah. to serve the action taking, of course. Um, yeah. I know that there are like two other notes that I had for fear, and I would love to hear any comments from anyone else. Fear of financial loss and fear of judgment. Yeah. So like, obviously entrepreneurs aren't known for making money immediately right mm -hmm. so like there's <sighs> you know okay so we're all coaches and coaches aren't known for pulling in six figures like high number six figures so we're probably pretty conscious of our bank account balance and then to come up with an idea and you do the planning and you do the research and like you you do the smart things and then you're like cool what's this going to cost me and then even if like what's on the other side of that is like 10 times, like the return could be 10 times what your investment is. The fear of investing that money, and this ties back to fear of failure, and then not getting that return or not getting that return as fast as you would like can be, it, it paralyzed me. It can be absolutely yeah. paralyzing. For sure. And I, I think too, those two fears you just mentioned, like the fear of, you know, financial failure is, is a big thing because we've all got to eat and pay bills and whatever. Yeah. But I really think that the overriding thing is that fear of judgment by others. Yeah. That is the, like, you know, we all know that we could go out and find a way to make, you know, a hundred bucks now if we needed to. Like there's, yeah. there's levers you could pull, there's things you can do. I don't want to, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of 20 bucks is 20 bucks, but we could all generate a hundred bucks if we needed to, for example, like, We've all had occasions where back's been against the wall. And we can do that, but the and so we'll go and do it. But the that that fear of someone else judging or thinking my idea is stupid or why are you doing that or that who are you to think that you can offer this or talk about this or do this? Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest one that really stops people in their tracks, whether they're entrepreneurs or Johnny Office Cubicle sitting there. Like I'm not, I, in a in a meeting going, well, I'm not going to put this forward because who am I? Like it affects yeah. everybody and stops so much action. Yeah. I think um, something, it just sort of popped in my head right now. Like, oh, like what, like what is the definition of an entrepreneur? And so I just like quickly looked it up and it's interesting because like you, and like this comes from a couple of different sources, but if you look up the uh, the definition of an entrepreneur, it's a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. 
an entrepreneur an entrepreneur takes on most of these risks and initiatives for their new business and is often seen as an as a visionary or an innovator. And so like you read that and you almost feel like ooh like it's just it's very like um it it's it seems, yeah. it seems yeah like like it talks about the risk and it talks about the fact that you're a visionary and you're an innovator and I feel like if we looked at it in that mindset rather than these fears of, you know, what other people are going to assume or, you know, like what the potential of that financial risk could yeah. be, it's like I read that and I was like, wow, I'm an entrepreneur. Like it's just kind of like <laughs> it's in the nature, right? It's like it's in the nature of what it is like risk is a mm. part of it so yeah. Yeah, yeah anxiety and fear is going to come hand in hand with that risk but with high risk comes high reward right yes. and we know this yeah. and so i think it's just um you know like it's it's just a reframe of the mindset where like risky doesn't have to be irresponsible and i think that mm. that's what that's what you know would it come to my mind, you know, I'm a single mother of two. And so taking risks with finances is, you know, sometimes I tell myself like, this is irresponsible and this is not secure, but what could I be building? What could I be innovating? What kind of world am I creating for them with the business that I've built? So there's like a lot of, you know, a lot of things to kind of, to help combat that. And I think we're, we're taught a lot throughout life that risk is bad. Like, oh, it's risky yeah. to, you know, take a bungee jump or it's risky to go out at night or it's risky to – so risk is associated with, with like, okay, if I go out alone at night, that's risky. What's the potential upside of that? Probably not much. And so we never show on, like, the light on what is the upside of doing the thing. Yeah. So, you know, all taking a risk, to be more specific. And it's always – framed as in, well, that's a lot of risk. Why would you do that? Whereas, you know, as we said on an earlier episode when Tony dropped in for his random guest spot about humans will do anything to avoid discomfort. Yeah. And risk is discomfort. Um, so it's like, well, I could stand on this ledge with a bit of elastic tied to my feet and leap off and, you know, I'm sure that'll be great. Or I could just sit back here in the viewing platform and watch everybody else do it. And we have this negative connotation around risk rather than, well, and the whole risk versus reward. Well, you're going to risk it, but what's going to be that that reward and is that really worth it rather than going risk is part of it but it's healthy yeah, because that's what's going to push you towards succeeding because you don't want to succumb to whatever those risks were. So, like, Christina, you and I just talked about um you know, if you have no choice but to generate income because you need to eat, you're yeah. going to do that because that risk is is not worth it to you. So you're going to, you know, work your tail off to make the thing happen Yes. versus I'm very comfortable, I've got, you know, plenty of food in the fridge, I don't, I don't need to push hard today, Yeah. if that yeah. makes sense. Mm. And well, I feel like, sorry, Ashley, go ahead. No, I was just going to take that back to, you know, what you said in your definition of entrepreneur. And then uh, Sam saying, you know, we have this fear of judgment. But if an entrepreneur is a visionary, that means they're seeing something that others aren't seeing. Yeah. So 
you're going to have people go, holy crap, how did I not think of that? I got to follow this guy. I want to do what he's doing. And then you're going to have people that look at you and go, that guy's batshit crazy. I want to be as far away as possible. Like it's going to happen. And if you try to make everyone happy, you've lost your vision of being a visionary, right? And you've lost your niche. So yes, like you can't worry about those things of, of judgment and it's easier said than done. Right. I mean, I do it all the time. I'm totally guilty, but I do try to find some solace in that of like, this is going to speak to somebody and somebody else may think I'm off the wall and that's okay. But I have to stay with this because this is part of what brought me to this part of my journey. And somebody out there needs, um, you know, what you have to say. But if you're not saying it, they can't find you. So somebody is missing out on that gift, I guess, that you can give them because regardless for all the people that think you are batshit crazy, um, there might be, you know, double that amount who need to hear or even even if it's half that amount of those people, then it's still valuable and you're still, you know, living out your vision and compelled by your why to get that message out there. So if, if you're not doing those things, then it's a disservice to the people who actually need you. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, what did I just see? I just got home from vacation yesterday and I opened up Instagram and, you know, the flood of feed went crazy. There was some exercise thing where they're on like moon shoes and they're bouncing and dancing. Yeah. (laughs) And guess what though? If that got somebody moving and CrossFit, they're like, those people are psycho and intense and crazy but they're jumping on moon shoes and they've moved for the first time and they were yeah. sedentary before that. Then yeah. guess what? Like, it, I mean, come on the, the amount yeah. of stuff that's out there, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you can do it. You can do it. I mean, Richard Simmons, everybody knows who he is. And uh, God bless that man. Yeah. <laughs> like I think a good handful of people when he came to the scene were like, he's insane. <laughs> But look at him. Yeah. Yeah. But don't look too closely, but yeah. I I love, well, at least I love that, like, you use the term. So, a quick little side tangent here. I love that you use the term gift. They, that person won't get the gift that you have. Mm. Has any, has anyone other than me read Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey? No, not so much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me at all. Um, (laughs) So, Joseph Campbell is, was, he's sent, he's sadly passed. Um, a professor of mythology. He was the guy that George Lucas went and like studied with and contacted when he was writing the Star Wars saga. He wrote the hero's journey after researching the um, themes that are common across all mythology stories everywhere in the world. And they all follow like a very similar shape. And so what you have is you have a hero uh, who is called to action he initially resists the call or she initially resists the call, but then something tragic happens and he's forced into doing it. And then they go, they meet, they make it like a, like a mentor or a teacher or sometimes a wizard who teaches them special magic. And then there is a trial or tribulation. This is often called like the descent into hell, right? But after the descent into hell, after you slay the dragon, after you kill Darth Vader, whatever it is, you return, the hero returns to their village with the boon which means gift right and it's this thing that will save the world so like 
all bef- like you got the gift. Yeah, we'll save the world. You've got to literally go through hell to get the hmm. gift, right? So that's important to like outline and like zoom out just a little bit. Um, hmm. I I also love that Ashley mentioned different types of people needing things. Like Seth Godin talks about this in the book Tribes. You will have people who do not want anything to do with you. You will also have people who can like they see what you're talking about and they buy in immediately. Your early adopters, the people who will for free go out and like tell other people about you. Every group, every entrepreneur will have people in all different things. And that actually dovetails into one of the ways that we can combat fear is having a support system. Like early adopters and people who you're working with can be a form of support system. Um, also, one of my favorite forms of support system getting a coach or a mentor. What a novel concept. I was going to go there next too. (laughs) Well, good. Then you keep talking. I, yeah. It's like, as we've been talking that that's, what's been kind of coming into my mind. Right. So we talked about risks, taking risks, fear of taking risks, you know, and like, I sort of, my mind went to, uh, you know, as a parent, I think that we're so conditioned to say, be careful, be careful, be careful. Like my daughters can do, you know, one toe out of line of be careful, be careful. And so I have tried to condition myself to change that and start to ask different questions. Like if my daughter is climbing on the couch, where are you going to put your foot next? What's your plan? You know, what's, what is the, what, where are we going to go if we lose our balance? You know, asking them questions to kind of uh, you know, allow them to take that risk, uh, but start to form these abilities to think about, uh, you know, what are the steps along this journey so that I don't just topple over and fall on my face. Right. And so, and that's where the coach comes in. Right. So, so, you know, here we are and, and, you know, I feel like every episode comes full circle to this same topic, but it's like, you know, we've all been through coaching. We've been coached. We are currently being coached. We coach others. And, you know, it's just having that person who's just slightly further down the road than you, who has taken the risks before, who understands what it's like to be in your toes to just say like, Hey, where are you going to put your foot? If you stumble, you know, just like the simple questions, um, you know, Oh, Hey, remember when you climbed on the couch and you were okay. Now you can climb up that wall. Go ahead. You can oh. do it, you know? And, and it's like, it's just so, it's it's such a necessary piece. I would, I would venture to say that there's not an entrepreneur out there who did not seek advice and counsel from somebody who had done, you know, the thing before them, you know, whether it's the same the same arena or not. I think being an entrepreneur has a, you have a certain, uh, kind of personality traits that that definitely you know draw us to one another. Um, but we could be venturing on any one of our different paths. Even the four of us here all have a different niche that we are you know chasing after. And so it's just so important to have that that sounding board, that person just asking you those questions. Where are you going to put your foot next? Yeah. And I I can't remember the specific details. I remember a study once about like when like and you know Sam might identify with this having you know a toddler and um a new baby it's like if you stop them from falling then they never learn to walk properly they never learn 
to develop those those motor skills. Like if you catch them at every time, they don't de- develop that resilience and that skill set and that awareness. Like that, it's okay to, you know, land on your butt. It's yeah. Because what's the worst? Gonna, you're just going to get back up. And sometimes you need that person who's going to help you, give you a hand to pull you back up and go, okay, like you know keep going like i know sam like when your little fella might do something you're like he could sit there and scream about it and you can indulge that or you can like no no you're okay off you go and they learn that it's it's okay the world hasn't ended like you might feel like at the time but you can keep going but if you don't learn you know within you know those safe parameters i guess Mm -hmm. you know how to fall safely then you know, we'll get to be adults and something will happen and you'll trip over and next thing you're lying on the ground screaming, waiting for somebody to give you a binky yeah. because you never learned how to fall in the, or how to get back up. One, like that's, first of all, yes. Like yeah. <laughs> kids. Um, I mean, if you think about the process of learning to walk, what you're doing is you're learning to interrupt falling, right? And so mm-hmm. like they have to learn what falling is. And if they never fall, they don't learn, which is, you know, if you first time parents, I don't know a single first time parent who didn't like just be like, oh my God, when they were trying to like, the kids are trying to figure that stuff out. Um, but as they do that, they experience like, oh, I pitch this way, I fall on my knees. I pitch this way, I fall on my butt. Every one of those was failing to walk. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, coming back to combating fear. You are learning to walk as an entrepreneur. You must fail at doing so. Like Mm -hmm. that is simply a part of the process. And I have listened to and researched and read things by enough entrepreneurs. And other than having a mentor, the other constant across the board 100% of the time is that they say the only thing that distinguishes successful entrepreneurs from non-successful entrepreneurs is that the successful ones didn't stop. Mm. Mm. Period. And if, you, if you even bring that back to like your the the kids analogy, Sam is like, you know, you're talking about like when your first one was starting to like first time parents are like freaking out. Yeah. By the time kid number two comes along, you're like, yeah, that's they're they're, they're tight right walking. Yeah, they'll they'll figure it out. Like <laughs> and so you still have some fears and anxieties around them, but they're not about the same things now. Exactly. Um, you know, child two is likely to stand on top of the lounge and leap off and have like zero fears because at the yeah. start, like you haven't got a parent like nervously hovering over them. So the same as being an entrepreneur, like you fail at something and you learn like next time through, that's a bit, you're not even going to be worried about. It's like, okay, yeah. well, I know what I did. I'm course correcting. And then, you're still going to have the fears and anxieties, but you're going to be a bit more bolder because you're like, well, I failed the last one, but really what was the worst thing that happened? Yeah. Okay. I'll just go a little higher, a little further. And the more often you do it, the more okay you get with it. And it's less life ending where you are just lying on the ground, waiting for somebody to save you. One. What's the difference between those scenarios? Keep keep with the kids, kid one, kid two, right? Mm. Kid one. I am afraid that they're going to fall forward and not put their hands out. And the first thing that their nose and teeth are going to meet is like a concrete floor. Right. Mm. And like, sure, they might do that. But like also little kids bounce. 
and I don't know yeah. about your kids, but like my kids bounce. So like, right. you know, there turns out kids are pretty resilient. And mm -hmm. by the time number two rolls around, the difference between those two scenarios is not the kid because kids don't change mm -hmm. in general. It's mm -hmm. my knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, so like another thing that can combat. Yes. Another thing that can mm -hmm. combat fear is like knowledge is power. Like mm -hmm. you have been educated through experience what a kid learning to walk is like. You mm -hmm. can be educated, not necessarily through experience, because knowledge is free. Like the Internet has decommoditized knowledge for all intents and purposes. There is someone out there talking about the thing that you want to know how to do for free on YouTube. Mm. Guaranteed. So like you can go find knowledge and someone will be like, yeah, I did this. I mean, for fuck's sake, we're trying to do it right now. Like this is the thing we're, we're doing the thing. <laughs> so like, yeah. yeah, you can. You still have to take the action, but you can better prepare and inoculate, inoculate yourself against the fear by acquiring knowledge and you can do that like this through information exchange or you can just bang your face against a wall and you'll learn promise yeah at some point and you will learn that it's also okay that it's whatever you it's probably another call that i had <clears throat> very recently um christina is like what's the worst thing you can imagine would happen and how often has that actually occurred yeah so in any scenario that you've been facing we all build up the monsters under the bed and we go, this is like the whole world's going to end. This is going to happen. And um, our record, I would hazard a guess, is either 99 to 1 or 100 to none that the worst case scenario has not happened. Yeah. In Like you might feel like it's bad at the time, but it's still not the worst case that you. Yeah. So like you said, like your kid face planting onto a concrete floor. Um, kids are built rubbery because adults are dumb and we drop them. and. Yeah. God, we're it feels all like born that. with, we're, we're, <laughs> they've been manufactured that way because of <laughs> us. But you know, again, we all have reflexes, like even bef that you don't even know that you have. That their yeah. first instinct is going to be put out the hand, yeah. and so yeah, they might get banged up or they might cry or get a fright. Like cool, but that's not you know needing a face reconstruction at you know eighteen months old. That's the worst thing that can happen. It yeah. generally our and this is where we spoke last week about, you know, we're sitting around the campfire and we're worried about what's out there in the dark. But when you actually go out there and shine the spotlight, that noise that you can hear rustling is probably a cute little bunny, not necessarily a saber-toothed tiger. And if you're always not taking action because you're worried about that worst-case scenario, have a look back on your track record of when the worst cases actually really happen, not just you've accepted your watered down outcome as oh well that was the worst thing that could happen no 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 yeah. the worst thing that could happen right now yeah and it really does yeah there's a quick little funny story so in the my my people who might be listening who know other people or themselves in aa there's the 12 steps right and so the things that people are most afraid of as they progress through 12 steps the first is step number four where you do a fearless and searching moral inventory so you basically you sit down and you write like your entire life history and then you got to go to like tell another human being about it so like you have to be honest and then number nine where you go and you make amends for all the dumb shit that you did you know and the running joke in aa is the hardest part about the 12 steps is thinking about doing a fourth step and thinking about doing a ninth step rarely ever 
are the actual fourth and ninth steps difficult? Mm. They're not, I mean, they're designed not to be you doing it with a person who's like helped you go through fucking coaches and mentors. Like if you're doing it with a person who's walked that path before they really are. And like, maybe for a good reason, what a novel concept. Um, (laughs) like it's never as bad as you think it is. What you think is always the worst, but in reality, it's, it's never as bad as you think it is. And it turns out like kids, adults are pretty resilient too, you know? Um, so the, and I do want to, one more fear that we talked about, which like, we haven't been able to dovetail into little kids. And if someone else can somehow like, that'd be hilarious, but like financial, like fear of financial failure, (laughs) my best recommendation is just call someone. Like call an expert. Like there's lots of people who are, you know, financial advisors, like whose legal obligation is to make sure that the people they are beholden to are taken care of. Like you can, you can call someone and be like, how do I do this? And they will be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is how you do that. So like you can ask for help, you know, and it might cost you a little bit of money, but if it's a little bit of money to assuage a fear entirely, I have learned that that goes a long way, like towards thwarting inaction. Yeah. And it's, it's that, um, under, like if we look at some of the greatest entrepreneurs in history and some of their epic, like failures, so to speak, like Richard Branson is a good one. He was about to yeah. lose everything. And now, you know, he owns multiple islands and multiple, like it, it was never the worst case that, it truly happened where he's like, okay, I'm I'm out on the street. I've got my ass hanging out of my shorts. This is it. Like this is all I've got, and I've I have no other options. There's always an option, so you're not at that ground zero. And you're right, Sam. When you bring it back to you know ask for help, and we come back to that old chestnut of mentors and you know guides, like having someone go, no, no, we can protect for that, yeah. so that you know even if the worst happens, you're still going to have your house and. You know, you still gonna have food on the table. That's great, and then you can go. Okay, well, that's protected. Yeah. Now I can forge on, but getting a guide for that part of the journey, like that, yeah. we are, we need different people at you know through the journey and at different points of the journey as well. Yeah. Um. You know, if someone's saying to you that they're going to be a coach and they're a one-stop shop for everything, run away. Yeah. <laughs> run fast. Go now. You, you know, your coach will say, "Hey, um, here's some here's someone I know that can help with this section of the journey, mm. and will guide you through that process and point you in right directions, rather than, you know, having all the answers." Which I think is where people who are entrepreneurs and coaches and, you know, leaders in their field can sometimes strip themselves up, thinking that they have to have all the answers. Yeah, and. You know, where I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about um, the fact that coaches don't admit, you know, sometimes if we take it back to coaching on the floor, you on the mm-hmm. floor, they don't want to admit to somebody that they don't have all the answers. It's like, yeah, I can help you with a nutrition plan to lose 30 kilos. Well, no, In you probably weeks. can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they don't want to say no because they don't want to lose an opportunity or a client or whatever or look like that they don't know everything. It's like, hey, I'm not, I could give you some general advice. Yeah. I'm not the best person to help you with that specific goal. But here, let me find you somebody who is, and I'm going to support you in that part of your journey. Yeah. 
and taking that, removing that ego from like, I don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. yeah. I think like, I'm, you know, we're, I'm sitting here thinking about all the things that we've connected and, and like, I can't help but realize that like all of, all of these fear, like th- this idea of fear, it's a learned thing, right? Like yeah. the kid learning to walk isn't afraid until the parent is afraid and then like inputs that fear into them. Right. And so like, you know, Sam, you're talking about like, you know, what's, what's financial fear look like? Well, like, I think, I think people need to like sit down and and really think about like, what, like, what does it mean for financial failure? You know, cause I'm like, I'm thinking about myself and it's like, there was a time where I was, doing all the things, coaching as much as I could, trying to make ends meet, working 60 plus hours a week in the affiliate, just trying to pull together anything that I could. Meanwhile, you know, receiving health insurance through the state, which I qualified for. And I was on food stamps for a long time. And I remember being in that moment and being like, I work 60 plus hours a week and I can't afford to put, put food on the table for my children. Like I remember feeling like such a financial failure. Yeah. And now I look back at that and I'm like, shit, I was making it happen. Like I was, I was making it happen. And that wasn't failure. That was not failure. And I think that more people need to realize that like, I think that when you start something, like when you truly, truly go out to get after like what you were intended to be put on this planet to do, there's going to be a period of time where you have to analyze like, what is enough? Like, what do I need? I need to be able to pay my rent. I need to be able to keep the lights on. I need to be able to put food on the table. That might mean that you need assistance. That's why it's there. That is why that assistance is there. It's for hardworking people trying to make ends meet, trying to make the thing happen. Okay. And I needed that help temporarily and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I think that it just, it, we get these ideas that we have to have a 401k that's bursting at the seams that ensures that we're going to be able to live for years and years and years and retire at 60 and then run off to Italy for the rest of our lives. And it's like, <laughs> that, like, is that really, is that what, is that what you want? Like, is that, cause I don't know. Like, I think we just need to kind of challenge this construct of like, what does financial security look like? Because for me, I would rather just be doing what I love every day and make enough money. Yeah. Maybe a little extra, but like, (laughs) you know, like, and I just think Mm. that like people think financial failure, like that, and and it's not like, like it's nowhere near financial failure. I just think we need, we need to define that, right? Like you Mm. need to ask yourself, what does that really mean to you? You, you just touched on so much gold in like <laughs> a minute and a half. Like, so talking about, first of all, yes, if you're not asking yourself what is enough, you should do that. You know, I highly recommend it. Um, if you need a reference point, I recommend Ryan Holiday's uh, Ego is the Enemy. There's a great section in there that talks about determining what is enough for you. And if you don't understand or know what is enough, then there will never be enough, right? And he's seen this across demographics, different age groups, different cultures, different uh, economic strata, 
Like if you don't clearly outline what is important to you and then what it takes to get there, you will never have a limit on things. And that's how you get into situations where like people earn $1.3 million a year and they've got a $28,000 a month mortgage because they told themselves that like they needed a home that cost. Oh, I just broke the ending of the pen. Um, <laughs> that makes me Take so a sad. moment this, of silence. This is why I shouldn't fidget with shit. Um, they convinced themselves they need a $30,000 a month mortgage. Like that's crazy, mm. right? But also mm. like going back to like ways we can combat fear. It's it, Theoretical stuff is fine. But in terms of actual action, Christina has done an amazing job of one of two, two of two things. The first is documenting her journey, right? So from the beginning, like, and like disclosing and being honest, by the way, I also was on government assistance and um, state healthcare when I first, like I went from making $180,000 a year in my, in my corporate job to not very much not. And like, I'm, I'm collecting unemployment because I'm just, you know, coaching a handful of classes a week and I'm on mass health and like, I had to do that until I didn't have to do that anymore. And yeah. that's okay, you know, and that's a part of your journey. And so like, as you go through this, you can document that and you can talk about it and that like talking about a thing can help to remove the fear of the thing itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also share your successes. Like, first of all, so that you actually um, experience a little bit of joy for yourself as a human being and you acknowledge the fact that you worked hard and you should be celebrated, but also like you can paint a path for other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had a I had an experience recently. Um, so my wife and I, we had our second child a couple months ago and we go to put the baby carrier in my old pickup. And anyone who knows Toyota Tacomas know the back seat of the pickup, not super big. And so like the baby carrier only fit between the seats and not on either side. And we're like, right away, well, like we got to get a new truck. And so I took my father back to where do we learn fear of financial failure? I took my father with me to go pick up my new truck. We're in the truck. We're, we're, we're in the old truck. We're driving over on the way. And he's like, all right, so here's the deal. And he's, got a game plan for how we're going to haggle with the guy and be ready to walk away. And I said, no, 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 dad, I'm, I'm going to get the truck right now. I'm going to go get it. I will drive it home. And he's like, oh, oh, well, there's nothing to talk about then. And so he sat in the truck pretty quiet for a while. And we got to the dealership and he walked in and he, he paused me at the door and he's like, so you're, you're just going to go in and get the truck. <laughs> I said, yeah, dad. And he, he looked at me honest to God. And he says, what is that like? And for my father, that is something that he has never been prepared to do for me. The only reason I was prepared to do it was because of the work I've done here because I was being coached because I was helped to understand how I could do things to make actionable change in my life. And I'm not, that, like, none of that shit's exclusive to me. There's zero part about no. me that is special in that journey. Yeah. But I think, and I think that that's, you know, a good point as we start to put a bow around this one is that, you know, when you've been shown what's possible, yeah. you can act without fear. Yeah. And when you understand that, 
you know, well, someone else had financial failure and now look at them and they're just like me. Like, you know, to, to look at someone like a Tony Robbins or a, a Richard Branson can seem somewhat unattainable. Like, well, I didn't buy an airline. I don't, you know, you can't relate to that. When we're talking about everyday coaches, each of us has had that story. So someone could look at us and go, well, okay, well, at one point they felt like they were at their rock bottom Mm -hmm. and now look at where they're at. And then it turns out on reflection that that was not the worst thing that could have happened to them. Yeah. That there was still an upside that's like, oh, well, they made it work. So can identify with that and go, okay, well, I know that the world's not going to end, so how can I progress forward? Yeah. And have that, like our kids, if we go back to the kids, they watch you walking around and go, well, this walking thing can't be that complicated. Like this goose up here is doing it. Like surely <laughs> I can do it. Like doesn't look like that. And it doesn't, doesn't look like the world's going to end, so I can probably just keep trying it. Like clearly it's yeah. achievable. Yeah. Um, and that's why kid two will often work, walk earlier than kid one because they're watching someone that they can identify and relate to, not just this giant human walking around. It's like, Hey, you're like me. You're doing the thing. Yeah. I could do that thing. And you'll see that they replicate earlier and earlier. But you know, once you've seen the way or had a guide who can walk through that journey with you because they've walked through it, which is why it's important for people like us and everyday people to tell their story. Um, because there are people out there that need to hear that and will learn from that and be able to progress their own journey. Um, you know, I had a a wise conversation with, you know, Tony, um, and I hate admitting he's right, but he's right. Um, (laughs) he's talking about something that a little project that I've got going on. And he's like, there are people who will identify and need your story. And, you know, he, the words he actually said to me, he said, there's somebody out there sitting with a gun in their mouth right now that your story is going to change that um, because they need to hear what you have and your lived experience. So you need to, um, you know, keep, you know, pushing forward with the thing and not, not worry about the other things, but it's like you need to get past that and go, there's, there's someone out who needs that. So you need to tell it and it's relatable because of who we are, because we're authentic. So, you know, that's why we need to um, take the actions and then be guides for other people, which as coaches and not just us guys, but um, across the board as a coach, you know, you are compelled to be that guide for other people to bring them through. Um, And it's probably the most powerful thing that we can do. So, yeah. Well, and that's in, you know, one of the, one of the couple of big takeaways that we want to talk about here, the first one is seeking support, right? Mm-hmm. So like get a coach, get a mentor. You can also find like-minded people. We talk about things like people like us do things like this. You, I, I know if you were listening to this podcast, you've heard us say <laughs> stuff like that before. That's not an accident. We didn't invent that, right? Like that is simply what successful people do. And another story from AA, once you get so far along, I heard someone say once, I don't owe my success in my life and my, the things that I'm experiencing to the people who brought me in. I owe it to the next person who walks through the door. Mm. And so like 
yes, you need to share your journey. You need to talk about things honestly, because there's someone who wants to do what you are doing. They don't want to do what your coach is doing. They want to do what you're doing. And so they want to hear you talk about that, right? Um, another one is like, and we've talked about it, preparation kills fear, right? So you can do research, you can do plans, you can talk to experts, you can ask for help. Knowledge is free. More than any time in human history, knowledge is free right now. And if you don't know where to start, literally every person in this screen has their Instagram handle on the screen. If we don't know the answer, we know someone who knows the answer. So please feel free to reach out to us, right? And then again, talking about kids, because like this whole episode has been about kids, like failure is going to be a part of the process. The only way you succeed is if you don't quit. You can do this. Don't stop until a miracle happens for you because there's nothing special about me that makes what I do exclusive to me. I am doing the things that other people have talked about and told me to do, you know? And the same is true yep. for everybody. And I think, you know, if you reach out to somebody and ask them, you know, for to, about their story and they don't help you, then that's just narrowing down your field by one. And they're not your people. That's don't don't keep banging on that door. Go find a door that'll open. Absolutely. Because, you know, the true coaches are the ones who are compelled for, you know, to our own detriment at times for no extrinsic motivation around money and success. We just want to bring other people along. So we will quite often give away what we do, which kind of counteracts the whole point of this program. But because as a coach, I'm compelled, if someone asks me for help, I'm going to help. Yes. And, you know, not necessarily, it. it's not necessarily an opportunity to, to monetize everything, but it's like being a good human. But if yeah. someone is, you go to them and they're like, yeah, I can, I can, I can help you out with that, but it's going to cost you, you know, nine ninety nine for each week for the for the rest of your life. It's like, yeah, it's probably not your person, and it's probably not an authentic version of their story or how it relates to you or wanting to know your story. So use that as your filter. Yeah. Cool. Big episode this week, kids. Um, kids, because we're still on that uh, that uh, slant. But let's be honest, we're all kids. Well, essentially, we all want a, a blanket and a nap. Like, let's face it, I'll put my hand up for that. Probably going to have one shortly. Um, but um, good chats, good topic that I think needs to be discussed more broadly. And thank you for all being so open and transparent, as always. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.